0: As I was reflecting on the sermon this week and as I was looking around the city, um, it's an interesting time to be living in a city together with so many people when everybody's dressing up in costumes every day. At one point, I was sitting in a coffee place beginning to put ideas together for this sermon. I was looking out of the window and seeing people walking around the streets of Washington, D.C. with all kinds of crazy wigs and dressed as skeletons and things. And this was on a Wednesday morning. And it's a strange thing, actually, that uh, we make this to be something that's fun. Things that normally would be very negative things. Skeletons and ghosts and, and all kinds of terrible things that the imagination can come up with. And you even see little toddlers dressed as these crazy, you know, horrible creatures walking around. So I, I've come up with a theory of what this maybe really is about. The reason that Halloween has a power about it is that I I actually think that most people do have some fear of mortality. And at Halloween, we get the chance to dress up or to make our yards look like graveyards or whatever your practice may be. But we get to do this in a way that we can look at the thing that we fear, and we can face it, and we can laugh. It's a way that we perhaps are able to put our fear in its place. Or maybe even better. It's a way that we can put death in its place. Something not to fear. You don't think about it, but Halloween is not just a secular holiday. Halloween actually has come out of the tradition of the church. Of course, All Saints Day is a very old traditional day when we remember those who have been recognized as saints. Now, of course, the word hallow, we don't use that word regularly, but if you say the the old version of the Lord's Prayer, as we will later today, you'll say, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy, to be holy. And if you think about it, the word hallow and the word halo are very similar. And All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Eve, that's the 31st of October. And then we've added another element. Um, The official saints are the ones who are recognized officially on November 1st. But centuries later, or centuries before now, I should say, um, November 2nd became All Souls' Day, which is really everybody else. We bring them into the fold. And in our Episcopal fashion, we're inclusive. We just kind of merge the two together. And today, we recognize All Saints Sunday. And we remember all those whom we have loved but see no longer. Now, I want to say a word about saints There is an official view that saints are these ones who've had, I forget how many miracles they're required, maybe three, and then I think the Pope weighs in and there's a council and various things. Well, that's okay. We can have those official saints. Um, We can even put them in books and we can put them in stained glass and they can inspire us and that is all well and good so long as we don't lose the fact that they aren't the only saints. When Paul wrote to people when the church was just being born, he referred to all the people as saints. All believers, in his view, were saints. The way he would use that term, he'd be writing to a group of people and say, to all the saints in Ephesus, or to all the saints in the District of Columbia, I write to you. To all the saints in Arlington. It's all of us. And the prayer book has wise words to describe what it means to be a saint. The prayer book says that saints are those who have been the vessels of God's grace. Or they have been the lights of the world in their generations. Have you ever known somebody who was a light to the world in your generation? And perhaps that person didn't even realize that they were a saint. And perhaps it's been you. We are called to this. Now the reading that we get, the gospel reading for All Saints Sunday uh, most years, we get the Beatitudes which we just heard. Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep for you will laugh. Everything gets turned upside down. And then Jesus continues on and he says, If somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other as well. If somebody takes from you, give and do not ask for it back. If somebody has harmed you, forgive them, pray for them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. An old friend of mine who is a priest, she was actually an associate at the church that I grew up in. Um, she actually left ministry in the parish and went off to start a nonprofit within the Episcopal Church, and she named her organization the Beatitude Society, reclaiming the centrality of this teaching. You know, we have debates, often you hear about the Ten Commandments being carved in stone and placed in the center of town, but nobody's talking about putting the Beatitudes in the center of town, and perhaps that's where we should be putting more of our attention. And the presiding bishop, Michael Curry, talks about the not just the Beatitudes, but all that Jesus was about in a way that I think is helpful. And he says, you know what Jesus does? Jesus takes the world and turns it upside down. And then we discover in the end that it is right side up. And that, to me, is the power of the Beatitudes. When we hear these spoken, these teachings spoken by Jesus, at first we're hearing something that's the opposite of the way we have known the world to be. And yet... We know the truth instantly when we hear it. Richard Rohr has written a whole book about this and other things, which is called Falling Upward. And he says, only those who've really known what it means to go down understand the true meaning of up. We have to be willing to give away some of that tendency that the world has instilled in us to constantly be striving, constantly going up. I know that this town suffers from that tendency strongly. We need to let go of that and to learn that the way down is the way up. We're going to have a baptism in just a few moments, and the baptism as well is many, many things, but it is going down to go up, saying goodbye to a life before to enter into a life that is above that will never end. And so the Beatitudes and all that that represents and all that Jesus represents is a threshold space. It's the border between the holy and the world as we have known it. And we have known the borderlands. We have been to that space. And when we go to that space and we invite others to be there with us as well, that is living the life of a saint. It's a life we're all called to live. It's an exciting place to be, and I pray that our gatherings together—these humble gatherings on Sunday mornings—elevate us to that borderland with the holy, with what is hallowed. And Halloween, we have moved to a wonderful neighborhood in Washington D.C., and it's a very neighborhoody neighborhood. We all talk to each other, um, and there are block parties and there are celebrations and. We've been very blessed in just the few months we've been living here to already make some friends, and so out on Halloween night, we were wandering around marauding with everybody else, and um, we, our daughter's 13, and so this was the first year we were, we were disinvited to trick-or-treat with her, but it was okay because there were some adult friends for us to hang out with too, Um, and walking around the neighborhood, they had actually blocked it off so there were no cars, and uh, seeing all kinds of, fun and crazy costumes, not just ghouls and skeletons, but dinosaurs and characters from TV shows, and and happily, a lot of baby sharks. (laughs) Little and large and all kinds. And I had a couple times an experience that I wonder if some of you have had as well at Halloween, when you see somebody and they're all dressed up and you you're seeing something strange, a person dressed up in a strange way, and then all of a sudden they take that mask off and you realize that's your friend. And that moment of recognition when suddenly, when you weren't even expecting it, a feeling of connectedness, a feeling of community, especially in the midst of something so strange and bizarre, feeling connected is a a minor revelation that comes to you. And I think on this All Saints Day, There's a message there for us. Whatever masks we may be wearing because the world has required them, we're invited to take those off and step into the identity that we're truly called to live into, which is to be saints for the sake of the kingdom. Amen.